Let's pray. Oh, gracious and holy God, uh, we come to you with hearts longing to hear your word. With hearts longing um, to be shaped. With hearts longing to discover what it looks like to live faithfully. God, help just rid us of the desire uh, that the disciples brought to you in this scripture, this desire to be great. And Lord, just continue to kindle within us the wonder and curiosity and imagination and creativity and faithfulness we need um, to discover simply what it means to be yours. God, be with us this day. It's in your name. Amen. Our scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, two, two places, first uh, from chapter 18 and then chapter 23. Let's listen for God's word for us this day. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then he called a little child over to sit among the disciples and said, I assure you that if you don't turn your lives around and become like this little child, you will definitely not enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who humble themselves like this little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then later, uh, he continues to teach the disciples along the same lines, saying, But the one who is greatest among you will be your servant. All who lift themselves up will be brought low. But all who make themselves low will be lifted up. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So many of you know that I am a native Kansan, born in the great metropolis of Emporia, and raised for most of my childhood in what my high school friends and I like to call good old T-Town. If anyone else here was a Topeka kid growing up, my guess is that you, like me, took a field trip to our state's capital at some point in your elementary school years. The pinnacle of that field trip for all of us was the tour of the dome that came at its end. You make your way up to the fifth floor of the capital and then enter the inner dome area, where you then have 296 steps to climb. Where's that? Yep, there's that staircase. There's been a renovation of that staircase since I braved it some 30-plus years ago. I remember it looking and feeling a heck of a lot rickettier than that one. But I would guess it is still not an easy climb, especially with this last section of spiral staircase right at the top. Tour-goers can make that climb for free Monday through Saturday, if anyone's interested in order to reach the top and get a chance to take in the views of good old T-Town from that vantage point. Throughout human history, we have been fairly fixated on making our way up. In humanity's earliest stories found in the book of Genesis, the people of the earth work together to build a city with the first tower that stretches up toward the heavens until God thwarts their plans stopping their construction by scattering them across the earth. 
Later in Genesis, Jacob dreams a dream of a ladder that stretches from the earth up to the heavens with angels ascending and descending on it. Jacob's ladder has fascinated us ever since. You can see here a number of depictions of it from the art world. Some focus on the angels' climb and descent, but so many depict our desire to make our way up. This last image is an etching by Robert Flood that date back, dates back to 1619. And it captures what is at the heart of our obsession with the climb. I know you can't see it from here if you do, you have way better eyes than I do. But each of the rungs on that ladder has a word written on it that represents a progression in our intellects and wisdom. The first rung is census, sense. Then imaginatio, imagination, ratio, reason, intellectus, understanding, intelligentia, intelligence, and finally, verbum, the word. Like Adam and Eve who ate the fruit from the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have a desire to reach God, to be like God, to obtain the knowledge and wisdom of God. It's that same impulse that leads the disciples to ask Jesus their question from our scripture today. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Just a chapter earlier, a few of them had climbed up a mountain with Jesus, only to see him joined by Moses and Elijah and transfigured with a heavenly presence, his face shining like the sun, his clothes becoming as white as light. My gut is that they are still holding that moment in their memories as they wonder aloud with Jesus about becoming great in the kingdom of heaven. Back up on that mountain, the disciples had wanted to set up camp. They'd wanted to stay on the mountaintop with Christ, Moses, and Elijah. But Jesus had other plans for them, just as God had other plans for Jesus. This is one of those places where upside down is right side up. For in our world today, the ascent, the climb, the reaching new heights is so often the focus. People work hard to climb the corporate ladder. Hundreds of people try each year to summit Mount Everest, the highest mountain peak in the world. There are whole industries dedicated to self-improvement and self-help. There's a cultural push to always be better, faster, to have the next big thing, purchase the newest model, buy the bigger house. We are conditioned for the climb, and it's not just a new phenomenon. Disciples who are trying to follow after Jesus, just like us some 2,000 years ago, come to him and ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because Jesus, that greatness, that spot in heaven sitting at your right hand, that is where I want to be. Jesus had other plans for them, and he has other plans for us. Well, throughout human history, we've been fairly fixated on making our way up. The journey of the one we are called to follow was in the opposite direction. 
This week, I was introduced to a new theologian through one of his former seminary students, Ken Sundant Jones, who wrote a blog post about the impact the theologian had made upon his life in honor of the 50th anniversary of one of his seminal works, Where God Meets Man, Luther's Down-to-Earth Approach to the Gospel. In his book, Gerhard Faraday unpacks the theology of the initial Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, arguing how we so often get it wrong. He, too, turned to the ladder of Jacob's dream, pointing out that in practice, the church had mistakenly created a theology of climbing, a theology of glory that was counter to the down-to-earth gospel. As Jones writes, Faraday argues that the church's proclamation and witness had been weakened by offering sinners works they could do to ascend to godly heights of personal piety and religious fervor. In contrast, Ferdy declared, God knew well our paltry climbing ability and instead chose to be emptied of divine power so that he could meet us, not on a level playing field, but down deep where our sin and brokenness can't be denied. How deep, Joan asks? Well, about six feet under. We were never meant to climb our way toward God. The down-to-earth good news is this. God makes God's way to us in and through Jesus Christ. Jesus humbles himself first by coming to us, but then by coming to us in our very depths. Jesus humbles himself and meets us at the heart of our sin and brokenness and the death-dealing realities that they cause. It is there, in the depths of death, that by the power of grace and God, new life is found. With Jesus, the way up is always down. The disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus answers not this question, but speaks to the internal the desire that motivated them to ask it. Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter and tells them they must turn their hearts around, flip them upside down if they want to even enter the kingdom of heaven. Later, Jesus will teach, all who lift themselves up will be brought low, but all who make themselves low will be lifted up. We do not make our way into the kingdom. There are no 296 steps to navigate, no ladder for us to climb, no mountaintop we must summit, no glory we must achieve. We humble ourselves, recognize that Jesus meets us in our depths, and from there sit in absolute awe as grace finds a way to raise us up to new life. Children in Jesus' day had no status, no power. They were some of the least of these in Roman society, the opposite of the greatness for which the disciples longed. In order to be like them, we have to give up trying to climb our way toward our place in the world. We have to relinquish making our way toward heaven by our own power. We have to abandon a theology of glory that leads us down trails of self-improvement, or up ladders of self-enlightenment, and instead simply seek to follow after Jesus. After that mountaintop moment of glory at Jesus' transfiguration, 
when the disciples wanted to set up camp and stay with Jesus and Moses and Elijah near the heavens, Jesus led the disciples down the mountain toward the people on the road that would eventually lead Jesus to Jerusalem and the cross. As upside down as it might sound, when we follow Jesus down, down the mountain, into our depths, into the pain and suffering that can be found in us and around us, we will find ourselves suddenly located right in the heart of the kingdom of heaven, right in the place where the power of God's love and grace are made real, where hope is alive and life is born. The theology of glory is not good news. It's not good news for you nor I, and it is not good news for our world. A theology that relies on our, our power, our action, our ability to climb, that tells us that there's one more thing we have to do, one more achievement we have to grasp, one more piece of self-improvement we have to add to our already overwhelming regimen. A theology like that just leaves us feeling exhausted and incapable more alienated and alone as we face one more way we just can't, one more way we don't measure up. Last week, you and I talked about how the church as we have known it is dying, and this theology is part of what I believe God is putting to death. The church that is becoming is one that is so radically focused on the down-to-earth good news of the gospel because we live in a world where we all are in desperate need of it. There are so many times in life where things just don't add up, where our paltry climbing abilities are on full display, where we think we are doing everything right and yet Still things just fall apart. The Pharisees of Jesus' day were their time's theology of glory practitioners, and they looked upon those who they saw as less than them with disdain and often judged that it was their sin that led them to their circumstances. This world does not need a church that creates more Pharisees of our own time. The people of our world do not need a church full of self-righteous Christians looking down on them with disdain from what they think is a mountaintop distance. What the world does need is a church seeking to shape and form followers of Jesus who will move out into it with the humility of Christ and live out his down-to-earth good news in flesh and in blood, just as he did, meeting everyone he encountered with radical love and unending grace. What the world does need is people who will follow Jesus down the mountain, toward the people, toward pain and suffering, people who are willing to go into the depths with others, be honest about the depths they struggle with themselves. What the world does need is a church and a people living out the down-to-earth gospel, this good news that Jesus came to us, that Jesus meets us right where we are with all the love and all the grace we will ever need. And there is nothing we can or need to do to earn those gracious gifts. By the grace of God, we will simply learn to trust them. As with hearts flipped upside down, we find ourselves at the heart of the kingdom where hope is alive 
and life is born anew once more. Amen. Amen.